welcome to the Midlife with Careers podcast. I'm your host, Kim Benoit, and every week I share stories of women just like you, amazing women over 40 who have found their courage to live life on their terms. These beautiful women have found the confidence to take on midlife like rock stars. They share their stories to inspire and encourage you to find your courage, build your confidence, and start living every moment. Remember, if you enjoy this podcast, please remember to show me some love and leave a review. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Midlife with Courage. I'm Kim Benoit, your host. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm also very happy to have my guest here this morning. Her name is Susan Gold. Welcome to the podcast, Susan. Kim, you're not even in midlife yet, so I have a bone to pick with you on the title of (laughs) your podcast. Believe me, I am, (laughs) but thank you. (laughs) Susan, an author, a transformer, and a consultant, and we're going to talk about those roles and what she does with those, but first, Susan, just introduce yourself, tell us where in the world you are, and a little bit about what you're doing right now. Well, I was reassigned after living happily in New York City and then Los Angeles. I was reassigned to Northwest rural Montana. And um, I actually live in heaven on earth. And I feel like maybe it's because I've done my penance in large metropolises where I was happy, but now I'm in bliss. Oh, I love that. We have to talk about that. That's amazing. Um, Before we get into your story, I want to ask if there's a scent that you could bottle up and take with you, what would that be? It would be called Forest After the Rain. You know how all the scent of the sages and the pine cones and the pine needles and the leaves and even the aspen trees throw off that scent. Yeah, that that would be the scent if we could bottle it. And if we can, Kim, I'll buy it. I'll subscribe. I will work on that for you. But yeah, I love that. That's amazing. I love getting the answers to that question. Let's start out with talking about you and your story. Um, can we start with your childhood? You, you said you had a chaotic childhood. So tell us about that and kind of where that led you to your big cities and now into your bliss. I always felt like the odd person out in my family. I felt like I didn't quite fit. Um, and it was chaotic. My parents were absolutely doing the best they could. And I was placed in that family on purpose and with reason. And it was actually a key to soul evolution. Um, I say chaotic, that's kind. It was brutal. My father's a genius astrophysicist, but he also had an addiction to alcohol, to sexually, you know, acting out and narcissism. And my mother soothed with food. She was a compulsive eater. And back then they prescribed diet pills for that issue. And diet pills, I learned in my 20s, were straight speed back then. So I was being raised basically by two addicts. And I believe also my mother was struggling with mental illness. So she could be really loving and sincere and then just flip on a dime. And I was being beaten and didn't know what I had done. So there wasn't a lot of safety, security, and, um, you know, love was definitely doled out in scraps and hard won. So I left there the morning after high school graduation, very determined 
to make it in the world. And I wanted to go to New York City. I watched watched Barbara Walters on my beanbag chair in my basement <laughs> on my belly. And I just wanted to go to New York City and be like her. And ultimately I did go. I negotiated my way out of my junior year of college to do an internship and was living in New York City at 19 in Greenwich wow. Village on my own. And then returned there after college. And I was working at a large global talent agency and I couldn't make enough money to pay my bills. So I had a side hustle training people, personally training them. And Barbara Walters became my client. No way. She you really did. How's that? She would have loved you, Kim. She was a girl's girl. One day I rang her bell at 7 a.m. and she said, Susan, get in here. What's going on? What's happening with you? She got it out of me within moments. I'd been sexually harassed in the workplace the day before. Uh-huh. And she said, I'm coming to work with you this morning. We're going to confront this man together. And I said, yeah, no, I, I think I got it. I'll, I'll be okay. Oh, I wow. did confront him. Yeah, I confronted him that day and he promptly fired me. I had a couple of months of cash in the bank. And I was newly sober. Um, That was like a red flag that came up really quickly. Um, And I was repeating behavior that I had seen demonstrated in my own household. So I was newly sober. I was out of an abusive relationship where the man held the purse strings. And I decided that I wasn't going to take the assistantship that Barbara offered. I was going to start my own talent brokerage firm, matching celebrities to brands. And the first deal I did was to knock on the door of the factory and convince Andy Warhol he should do a commercial for Pontiac that he didn't really want to do. Oh, my gosh. Like, if you really went, I mean... Here you had your childhood idol that you could have worked with. And now you said, no, I'm going to do this. And and then you go to Andy Warhol. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's that miraculous, girl. It's the mirac- miraculous, the way the universe works. If I can step back and allow it. I was terrified. I was uh-huh. absolutely terrified. But sealing that deal created a, a sort of brand for myself. And that led me into producing for television and on to Los Angeles. Wow. Wow. So are there other, can you share any other big like accounts you had or any people that you worked with or? Well, there, there were many. Um, Roger Ailes was running CNBC and another talk network. And he summoned me and said, I need some A-list talent on my network. Can you help? And I couldn't get anybody to come, Kim. And I thought, what am I going to do? So I grabbed a cameraman one night and we went to a red carpet event and I stuck the microphone in each celebrity's face as they came down and interviewed them about the event. And then I had them look straight to camera and do a little promo, their name and that they were watching watching the network I was producing for. Mm -hmm. And that was unheard of then those promos, like they didn't happen. I just sort of made it up and it got Roger's attention. And he said, name the show you want to work on. This is genius. And then he invited me to launch um, Fox news channel, which I did. And then um, I was invited by a friend I met on jury duty, um, who was a great mentor in the industry. She was running a show, a talk television show out in LA. And she called me and she said, I need you out here. Like, I need you to bring talent to this talk show. And I hadn't been doing talent, you know, branding at that point. I was more producing, but I took the career shot 
I thought it was a career move, Kim, but it was really to meet my greatest guru and guru as in teacher. And that was the man who would ultimately become my ex-husband. Oh, okay. That's awesome. <laughs> I think. <laughs> that was my midlife with courage moment. Kim. Oh my gosh. He was my dream boat. I just thought I met, you know, Mr. Perfection. Um, and it was great until we had a child of our own together. And then I started to see the ruse and the, his mask fell. I had purchased a home for our family. I had a lot more responsibilities. I was carrying the weight and becoming more and more drained. And ultimately the word narcissist was introduced to me. It was kind of like the word alcoholic. I had heard that word, but it really didn't have any personal meaning to me until it did. And same with this word, narcissist and narcissism. And I saw the reflection in my own relationship and made the cardinal error of trying to make one whom I perceived as a narcissist accountable. And we got to the last point of a agreement. We were working out in mediation and he crossed his arms and his eyes went in those cold slits and he said, I'm filing for divorce. I'm going to hire an attorney. And this little you know, message came through my being. This is the universe doing for you what you cannot do for yourself. And I think it was second grade and Billy Fritz. I'd always been dependent on some kind of male attention. Mm -hmm. And I needed to break this codependency. And I knew it. And I knew my marriage was past the expiration date, but I didn't want to face it, Kim. Mm -hmm. And I was so successful on the outside. My friends are all, you're so capable. You're so accomplished. Inside, I felt like I was crumbling and God forbid my husband, you know, leaving me would have been terrifying. Well, he held court in the master bedroom for the calendar year it took for us to come to an agreement on divorce. I, by choice, took a mattress across our home and landed in a partial conversion in our garage. And I made that little space a monastery. And I went deep within myself and doing the work that I needed to do to see what I had created, what I was serving, and what I needed to step up and out of. And the key was to hold no contact meaning no verbal contact and no eye contact for that time period that we were in. Wow. I, I don't even year. want to say a home. Yeah, it was a domicile, not a home, but, yeah. and that worked. It truly worked. Um, I was able to write him a six figure check at the end of that year. And he went on to his next source of supply. And I call him my greatest guru because he reflected back to me, my authentic strength my true power. And I actually got that respect and self-love from the inside out as a result of that experience. And that's why I, I refer to him as my greatest guru. That just kind of gave me goosebumps. <laughs> well, I feel like it's part of my message. And I have to say that I didn't really want to write the book that I did 
I was encouraged to do that by an Irish seer back in 2007. And I promptly swept that right under the carpet and really didn't feel like my story was that interesting. Why would anybody want to hear it? And then back to back intuitives um, in 2020 said, you have a book to write. And the third one said, you have three books to write. And I was like, before it turns into a library, I guess I better get going. <laughs> so as I wrote this, I really got connected to that inner being, that inner child within me that had walked through all that I had. The, the difficult childhood, the chaos of addiction and recovering, clinical depression. I mean, my first suicidal ideation was at six years old oh, in our okay. kitchen. So I had struggled and then the narcissistic abuse. So it was all sort of perfect storm and came together. And I really see now how this has been an incredible schoolroom of advanced learning <laughs> for the possibility of uh, soul evolution. And I, I'm now looking back after tons of work, it didn't come immediately, but I'm looking back at, wow, I have a lot of gratitude for all that I've walked through and all that I've pre been presented. Oh, wow. I've had a lot of guests who come and say they had to go within themselves, figure out themselves to go out and do other, do good things. Um, so it, it does, it all starts with us, doesn't it? Inside. It's not the easier, softer way. And it's certainly not the way that, that we may be schooled, but I think it is the authentic key to freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just to go back to, to what you said about, you know, everyone from the outside, you looked great, things were wonderful, you were successful, but inside you were crumbling. If, if there's any listeners out there who are kind of in that situation, they feel like that, what would you tell them? Well, first, you have to be aware that you're in that space. Because when I'm in that space, my central nervous system is running on overdrive. What we need to attain, especially as women in today's culture, a lot of us are not just mothering, but we're also bringing in a share of the earnings, if not the bulk of the earnings. So there's a lot of pressure on us and we have to wake up to the fact that we have this pressure and that there may be circumstances that we need to look at, dependencies that are broken, things we're carrying from our lineage, not just our own immediate family systems, but way back in the lineage, in the ancestry. Take a look at that to drop the bag that we need needlessly carry. So it's awareness and then acceptance. Yeah, this is the fact. I need to wake up to this and I need to think about how I'm going to support myself through change and then finally action. And I tell each of my clients, hold on until the miracle, because it's hard. It's a marathon. I was an endurance athlete and I used the same training methods and focus to get through some of my life challenges that I did in some of those endurance races. So mm -hmm. hold on until the miracle, it will come. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I. I mean, today we want everything to happen just right away. You know, we were talking about social media a little bit and how, you know, our attention spans are so short. And so we really, you have to do the work and you have to let it, 
let the process kind of play out a little bit too, right? Yeah. And, and ultimately you'll find self-love. I mean, we come so much from our minds. My heart was blackened. It was layers of tar and duct tape and gorilla glue. And it just, it took me a long time to dig through all of that. When I first started out in my recovery and my self-realization experience and meditation, I realized I didn't even know my emotions clearly. I wanted somebody to just hand me a list. I had been so shut down and going through life as an automaton, almost like a robot. And I really had to breathe and start to explore the layers and levels and vastness of my emotional being. So coming from the heart rather than the head has been pivotal. Yeah. As you were saying that, I was kind of thinking, you know, what you went through in your childhood and with your um, guru, you had to probably protect your heart. You had to kind of, that's why you had the the gorilla glue and the duct tape and the, the layers. And so that, I mean, that becomes the focus. And you, I think we kind of forget about ourselves if we're going into, you know, having those kinds of things happening in our lives. Is that kind of, am I close? I think- <laughs> I think those, yeah, I think those things were happening so I could wake up to the fact that I was living in trauma mm-hmm. and that the key was to transform it so I could find the peace and feel safe enough to live from my heart. I didn't even understand what living from my heart meant. And even today, there are times that I catch myself, I've got to slow down because I'm back in that traumatized arena again, living something that's not right in front of me. Sure, sure. So to just to kind of go back to your story a little bit, you were divorced. And how did you end up getting to Montana? Because I'm assuming that you weren't still doing the the, uh, matching celebrities with brands and that kind of thing. So what, tell us about that. So um, I had stopped matching celebrities with brands and producing because it just got so nasty. Uh, (laughs) Didn't feel good. And I pivoted um, into PR from a biz dev and media outreach perspective. When I started getting the notion inside this still small voice, LA is really busy. It's very crowded here. (laughs) It's very hard (laughs) to find peace at moments. And Montana was not even on my bucket list. I was going to stay in California, at least till my son uh, graduated from college and he'll graduate this year. He's getting through in three years instead of four. It's amazing. Good for him. Yeah, it's quite incredible. Um, But I had no desire and no notion. And then within three months, I had checked out another state that I was in love with and thought that would be the place. But yeah, I was reassigned. I came to Montana and just felt like magic and things all fell into place. And here I am. And I finished my book here and it was published um, in the spring. Um, And I'm starting to pivot fully into helping others. Nice. And why don't you tell us the title of your book? Because it's your memoir, correct? Oh, so it was, this is not my title. This is my publisher's title. My title was (laughs) Magical, Magical Illumination, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom, because 
that's what I feel it's been. But uh-huh. my publisher read the book and she said, yeah, no, this isn't about magical illumination. This is about a toxic family transforming uh-huh. childhood trauma into adult freedom. So that is the title. And I, it was hard for me. I didn't want to throw my family under the bus. I have a great relationship with them and and I have respect and honor for the journeys they, that we've all been through. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, anyway, so that's it. Toxic family, transforming childhood trauma into adult freedom. And it, there's a work, workbook in the appendix and it's exercises that have helped me walk through the trauma I have. And it's available at all the usual places, Amazon and the like. Okay. And if if you feel drawn and want to have a conversation with me or get in touch, just go to susangold.us. It's all there. Awesome. All right. Yeah. And we will put those links in the show notes so people can do that. Um, so your relationship with your family now is okay. It's good. I just missed a week at the beach in North Carolina with them. I was all ready uh-huh. to go and there was a, there's fires in Montana now, and there was a okay. fire not too far away. I woke up around midnight to the smell of smoke and a neighbor had texted and said, you know, there's road closures, slowdowns may be difficult to get to the airport. So I ended up having to cancel the trip. Um, yeah, we're still, we're all in touch and yeah, I have profound respect for each of them. Awesome. I think that I know, you know, people who grew up with in a toxic family and it's working through that. You still have to, you know, you're working on yourself, but yet there's other people there too, that, you know, are part of that story. So, um, you know, I've had other guests on too, that have the relationships just don't do well after that, but it's okay. That's okay. You know, that's just a result of it. So, um, anyway, I'm glad that you have that relationship with them now. Um, so yeah. So you said you weren't planning to go to Montana. So why Montana? I'm just curious because I've never been to Montana and it's, I'm sure it's beautiful. I've seen pictures and this, this uh, picture you have behind you of your side yard, you said is beautiful. So what, how you said you were reassigned to Montana. How did that come about? Yeah, that sounds a little like hooey, doesn't it? That, That's okay. That intuitive, that intuitive voice has become more and more important to me. I was completely empathic as a child and ve- almost telepathic. Um, and I shoved that voice down for a lot of years. It just wasn't safe and it's coming back clear and strong. Uh, and I had a friend in Montana and she encouraged me to visit. And I, once I flew in over the flat, I could just feel, it felt like Camelot or Brigadoon. It was just, you know, elf and magic and fairies. And I had a little cabin in the Catskills when I lived in New York city and I would escape there on the weekends and I didn't miss New York City, but I missed that cabin in the Catskills. And Montana is like the Catskills times 10. So wow. it just felt right. And um, I was coached that if I wanted to be in Montana without a bidding war, I needed to put my house on the market immediately and come back with cash in hand. And I just kept putting one foot in front of the other and really did it for my own self, my own being. And it took a lot of courage and it is a lot different, but my soul can expand here. I can breathe. Mm -hmm. And I, the, the amount of nature that's here naturally, you can't avoid it. I would always look for it. I look for it in the trees outside my, you know, apartment in New York city, or, you know, I would see it in LA 
with purpose and point, but here it's just expansive. So, yeah. Love that. Love that. Um, before we say goodbye, you've given us so many wonderful messages and things to share. Um, is there any other things that like one little thing you want to share any nugget of information or something maybe we didn't get to cover? Um, what would that be? Uh, just remember your breathing and breathe for yourself with love and then give that breath to someone that you're passing by or you see go by or some random stranger, send them that gentle breath too. Beautiful. Love it. Susan, thank you so much for being my guest today. I feel like we could just keep talking all day, but of course we can't do that, but <laughs> I wish we could Kim. And I just want to thank you for the content you're producing oh. and the programming you're bringing forward. I know it takes effort and energy and time and resources and I value it. And I appreciate this platform that you've given us this morning. And I appreciate your listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much. We will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Midlife with Courage. I hope that it has inspired and motivated you to live your best life. I'm Kim Benoy, a retired registered nurse, a wife, a mom, and now a certified aromatherapist. To learn more about my story and to get some tools to help you on your health and wellness journey, please go to my website, www.midlifewithcourage.com. You'll find lots of great information there. And if you would like to, go ahead and subscribe to my newsletters so that you are always up to date on what's happening. I promise not to bombard you. I usually send out a newsletter once, maybe twice a month. So check that out. Until next time, take care of your beautiful self and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.